Holly, Wayne, and Andrew. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And I am Andrew. Welcome, Andrew. It's good to have you back. It's always good to be here. It's like slipping into a comfy, comfy a pair of slippers. Is that well, a you know, for something or? Oh yeah, yeah. Aaron, Aaron knows. Aaron knows. I'm talking about. That's right. That's right. That's right. We have four people on the mics today. It's crazy. I don't even know what to do with myself. I know. I've been. I've been reading comic books. I've been going to movies. I mean, I'm just all. I'm all ready to be back. Well, good thing is we're not going to talk about any movies today. Fantastic. I appreciate you doing the homework. Uh, you, you, it'll reflect well in your performance appraisal. However, we won't be discussing it this week. Are, are you going to post my 45 minute solo critique of Eternals uh, as a standalone episode? Only Bonus content, Patreon, Patreon only. only. Yeah, it's going to be a spoken album like William Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> and then Cersei came upon. <laughs> uh, well, I guess we can talk about movies that are coming in the future um because last night as of this recording um marvel dropped a, a, some i guess it's because uh spider-verse is coming out so they're trying to get a, ahead of uh the trailers and stuff leaking um because last night marvel released like a new trailer and um poster for morbius and the first look teaser for all right i need to take a deep breath before saying this entire title Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, part one. Part one? Part one. Yeah, part one. That was the part that jumped out at me. That Because uh, the teaser was really good, and I enjoyed it. And then it ends with part one, and fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want this. Wayne is angry. <laughs> yeah, I don't want this split into multiple parts. I want a concise story. Wayne, I felt the same way when I walked out of Doom the other day. Yeah, oh, that would be worse. <laughs> At least you didn't. You didn't even. I mean, I guess you kind of knew, but you. I knew. But, I knew from other people who saw it ahead of me. Uh, if I, if I just not gone to see it opening night, I would have had no idea. Yeah, I mean, if it it's a, it it did at the beginning, it said Dune Part One, but it didn't say Dune Half of Book One. But you know, in the said, in the trailers, to a Dune conversation. <laughs> no, in the trailers and the posters, nowhere did it say did I ever see it say Part One uh, until no, I sat down. Well, until, until, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, they're hiding the cheese, Paul. Yeah, they're hiding exactly. my cheese. Well, uh, Marvel is not hiding the cheese. They are in the very first trailer of uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, exclusively in movie theaters in October 2022. We get our first peek at the uh, upcoming Spider-Man 2099 Spider-Verse stuff. And uh, I thought it looked good. I mean, have, have, have we all seen Spider-Verse, the first one? Oh, yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm excited yeah. that we're finally getting the sequel, but I guess we're getting uh, two of them, two at least two sequels <laughs> that we know of. Wayne yeah, that. and it does look like they're continuing the route of each universe has its different art style. Mm-hmm. Because uh, when Gwen comes over, Gwen is very uh, crisp, clear. And when he goes to the 2099 world, it's a drastically different art style. Yeah, I like it. It's, you know, because in the first Spider-Verse, the, the other universes came to him. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of cool to uh, that I guess we're going to see him traveling to different Spider-Verses. And they did say that Oscar Isaac would be returning. And Haley Steinfeld, who is apparently in everything nowadays, <laughs> is returning as Gwen Stacy. So uh, she's just all over the uh, the Marvel-verse. 
I, I'm excited. I'm, I'm I'm a little less excited. That's going to be almost uh, what ten months before uh, we can see more. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited to go see it. Yeah, and then we'll only get half of the story. <laughs> that is, it, it says part right, one. It doesn't say part I, one of two. It could be part one of three. Could be. Could I be a trilogy. Well, trilogy. I love that Wait. we've got at least ten months of Wayne being. Yes. <laughs> Wait, it's like a dog with a bone. He's not going to let it go. I think again, I, I appreciate that they're at least letting us know ahead of time. You know, I think. Um, but it's the new thing, right? Like, make a three-hour movie or a four-hour movie and just split it into two instead of, uh, you know, shortening your content or making it a TV series. Because, you know, they, we had it with Harry Potter. I think Harry Potter was really the first one to really come out and say, hey, this is Harry Potter I, Part 7, Part 1. I don't I don't mind them serializing movies. What I dislike is, uh, you know, a great big expanse of time between Parts 1 and 2. That's Dune, I'm looking huge... at you. I'm looking at yeah, you, dude. Exactly. You know, six months <laughs> to a year is probably the right distance when you're actually yes. going yeah. to only give me half a story in a movie. Yes. If it's a year in between, I'm all okay with that. If it's going to yeah, be same. two, three, four years, then that's ridiculous and should not happen. Yeah. Yeah, you shouldn't do that unless you are or unless you're doing the work on the film simultaneously, like Back to the Future. Or Hobbit. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Harry yeah. uh, Potter. You know, like, it, it's when you have filmed one half of your story and you're like, let's see if people like it before we give them the second half. You know, yeah. And, and nowadays, you know, you have po- you have pre-production. Then you've got, you know, your actual production. And then you've got a year plus of post-production with all the special effects. Yeah. So, you know, it's if you haven't started your, your second movie by the time your first movie is even in theaters... It's a it's a solid two to three years in between, which is exactly what we're seeing, like you said, with Dune and uh, you know a number of other properties. So I did see the Mobius trailer in front of one of the movies I saw recently, and I'm not a big uh, Mobius guy. Uh, Morbius. Never, Morbius, thank you. I've never been a huge. See, I don't even know how to say his name right. That's how <laughs> I mean, little of a fan I am. Mobius, Mobius fan. Mobius for a moment there, I was like, is there a Mobius documentary? Coming out, I was very excited for him. <laughs> I'm not a big Morbius fan. Uh, it's not a, a Marvel movie. It's a Sony picture. But I, I got to say the trailer looks pretty good. It does I, look surprisingly I, good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I wasn't interested at all until I saw that last trailer. And it looked amazing. Well, and yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, have, uh, I have Jared Leto issues. Absolutely. Yes, me too. Me too. Yeah, I actually same. like him in most films I've seen him in. And I like his band. I like 30 Seconds to Mars. But when I see him or hear him or read about him outside of the context of a movie, I'm like, ugh, that guy's a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> He's just such a weird douchebag. I mean, my main issue with him was how much I disliked his portrayal, his take on the Joker. Uh, I don't really don't. I've never really heard him say anything outside of a movie context. I like him in other things he's done. So uh, I'm looking forward to see his Morbius. I just remember reading about Jared Leto, like right near the start of COVID. He had gone to the desert to be by Uh himself for like a month. And he came back. He's like, what is this COVID thing? I've been in the desert by myself finding myself for a month. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, why are you so weird, Jared? Why are you so weird? <laughs> I say he's a method actor, isn't he? He is. He's a method actor. He's just a... He's a that weird immediately guy. is weird. <laughs> I, 
apparently his uh, performance in uh, House of Gucci is rather laughable. I have heard that, and I want to see House yeah. of Gucci. Um, even I understand. Scott his... has lost his touch. I understand that his accent in House of Gucci is more akin to Mario oh. from Super Mario. Was, it's a me. <laughs> it's a Gucci. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so you know, we, we got off the topic of animated movies, but, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I, there may be something going on because there's like a lot of news, this random animated news this weekend. Well, I'm super excited about the the team going over to do uh, Metal Men for DC. Yeah, that's a weird thing, right? Um, so yeah. Ron Clements and John Musker, who have previously worked for Disney and done Academy Award and winning movies like Little Mermaid, Aladdin, and Princess and the mm-hmm. Frog, some of Disney's most iconic movies, were have been hired by Warner Brothers to do um, the Metal Men as an animated property, which I find... A very unusual property to adapt. I, I kind of thought that was a Dan DiDio like passion project, and once he left, right. no one would give a crap about Metal Men. But uh, no, they're they're investing in an animated movie for them. I think I think it's great because number one, I think Metal Metal Men is low stakes as a as a as a uh, IP mm-hmm. for DC, so they can let these guys run wild with it. And I love that they're bringing on, you know, uh, real animators, you know, yeah. guys who, who who they're not animating in the house DC, you know, straight to straight to video uh, style. Yeah. You know, they, they can go out there and do something really interesting looking, you know, like the Super Pets movie. Uh, I am I'm really excited about this. I think this is great news. And I've always enjoyed the concept of the Metal Men. I just have always thought that the Metal Men was poorly executed most of the time. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Because, you know, they have a lot of different stuff coming out, right? Uh-huh. I, mean, yeah. I appreciate that they're, you know, they're, they're really embracing animation between Metal Men, Super Pets. They've got that Batmobile TV show that's going to appeal to kids who like cars, stuff yep. like that. I mean, they're really diversifying um, their portfolio and probably because they realized that the shared universe thing just wasn't working for them. But, yeah, and I'm really excited about uh, Super Pets. After that last trailer and seeing the setup was not at all what I thought it was, I am even more excited. Yeah, that film looks like fun. I'm looking forward to that as well. Well, and you know, it's a very DC-centric show because we're going to talk about a couple of DC books this week, including one that I, you know, I had seen ads for, um, Wonder Woman Historia. It's just, a, and it's just a cover. I mean, it's a and it's a beautiful cover, but I'm like, meh. I, you know, I've been burned on pretty much every Wonder Woman book I've picked up in the last two years, so right. <laughs> I'm going to skip on this one. But hey, then, the Future State book was good, anyway. Oh yeah, the Future State book was good, but then they screwed it up by uh, continuing yeah. the series with like one issue every two months. Um, but then I saw some some I don't know someone posted on Twitter some of the two page spreads from Wonder Woman Historia by Phil Jimenez, who mm-hmm. you know Phil Jimenez he I think. He was he the artist on Infinite Crisis? No, that was Ivan Rice. No, but 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 Phil Jimenez, you know, is a super talented artist, and for a the early part of his career, his work was almost indistinguishable from George Perez. Um, You know, he he had that. I mean, just uh, meticulous, very detailed style. Lots going on in every panel. 
And, you know, I picked this book up. You know, I, I, I had seen Kelly Sue DeConnick over the last several months, you know, making remarks about it. I had seen some sketch work from Phil Jimenez. I, I follow both of them on, on Instagram. Um, but I hadn't seen any of the finished art. And man, those preview pages that you shared with us, I was like, wow, that's, that's amazing. I will pick this book up. And I wasn't going to yeah, before that. And uh, I mean, and I like Kelly Sue and I, and I like Phil Jimenez, but I just, to, to your point, I was just like, you know, I've kind of, kind of feel like I've, I've given at the office already as far as Wonder well, Woman it's goes. It's a $7 book, right? So it's like, yeah, yeah. you know, I'll wait. But yeah, I was curious, but I wasn't going to pick it up until I heard you guys both were. And then that's the that's the extra motivation I needed to get it. Well, the the artwork in this book. And, and I don't I don't say this to be hyper hyperbolic, but uh, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, this. Yeah. This artwork is off the charts amazing in the level of detail it's not you know it had you told me this was if you'd handed this book to me early on without any of the credits on it i would not have known that this was phil jimenez because like i said you know for a large part of his career it was indistinguishable from george Perez. that's not a bad thing right that is high praise in, yeah. in my book but there, there this is such a very different style for him in my opinion and every page is so original and well conceived, and I, 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 I mean the scenes between the gods, you know, where where you know Hera and Athena and Artemis are are making their case to Zeus, and you know there's just such a a division between the male gods and the female gods. Uh, it was it was amazing, and you think, okay, well, the book is going to return to some sort of 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 uh, you know less extreme, less edgy, uh, less grandiose sort of artwork, and it never does. I mean, it, it it is at eleven the entire way through this book, and just visually, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah I often talk about not liking stylized art, but this is a case where the the story really did benefit from having a severely stylized art portrayal. Mm -hmm. It you talked about it as being like bigger and it felt more epic because of the art. Yeah, yeah. I would say this book is probably visually, and I'm sure we'll talk about the story here in a second, visually probably the most beautiful book I've seen in years. Um, yeah. In comics. I mean, and we've seen some great art. Don't get me wrong. I, I you know, we've seen some wonderful art. Over the last few years, but like you like you said, Aaron, there has been nothing like this in in, in ages. Uh, you know, since the the days of George Perez, and and uh, it is just gorgeous. It is just yeah. gorgeous. The art really felt like Greek myth art. Mm -hmm. It felt like I was reading uh, an international book, right? Like maybe a French yeah. or Italian comic. Book. One of the one of those books under the Europe label, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean. Yeah, but I mean, you know, and we talk about, you know, the, the artwork by Phil Jimenez, but you've also got to credit the colorists that work this book. And that's colorists, plural. It looks like, uh, you know, we've got three different entities working on the color. You got Hi-Fi, Arif Prianto, and uh, Ramulio Fajardo Jr., I know I, I, I have botched those names, but I mean, the artwork, the coloring on uh, Phil's drawing um, is provides so much depth, so much richness. I, 
there is this this one. I mean, early on in the book, there's this big two page spread of Hera reclining on 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 her you know sofa, and there's you know all these you know accoutrements around her, and it does it looks so otherworldly mm-hmm. and just so so textured and rich. I am I am simply blown away by uh, Phil's talent here. I mean, I, it is amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of times the gods in Wonder Woman books come off as just looking like uh, humans in costumes. Mm -hmm. And this is definitely not the case here. There is something more to it that the art style really adds. They have this sense of grandioseness, of otherness that you just couldn't get with a different art style. So story-wise, what did you guys think of it? You know, I I uh, I like that it is retelling. It's, this is a black label book, so you know, for the moment, we'll consider it out, outside of continuity. But it is uh, it is retelling the the origin of the Amazons, and it is very much setting up the the Amazons as a creation uh, to counter men. Like there is a line that I thought was great in the book that Amazons have no fathers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, that is, that is, that really distills the story here, uh, that the, the female gods, uh, decide that they're going to break away, uh, from, you know, Zeus's design to create a race of women who don't need men because men have committed so many crimes against women uh, that women have been positioned to be victims and that there is really no satisfying justice for them in the world at the, at this time. So they create this race of Amazons, you know, outside of Zeus's permission. Hera doesn't participate, but all the other, all the other uh, female gods do. And they birth these creations uh, with no no men involved, and it you know I, I love the design and the intent of these you know original Amazons. Uh, so has this ever been the version of Amazons that DC has used before? Because no. yeah, say this not a story I'm familiar with. The idea that none of them were you know the originals were born to man. Right. This is a whole, you know, reimagining of that origin. You know, they've had some like there was a recent story where, you know, uh, certain Amazons were the souls of women who had been, you know, murdered and abused by men. Right. That that came out of of this well. Uh, I think that's a that borrowed some of what, you know, Kelly Sue and, and Phil Jimenez are doing here. But no, this is an original story uh, from Kelly Sue. I I felt early on in the story that uh, it was a little preachy, mm. you know, but it was in the context of the female gods putting their case forth in Olympus. Yeah. And then, you know, Zeus very, you know, handily dismissing uh, their, their case. Uh, hey, Aaron. Sir. If you were a female reader, do you think it would still sound preachy to you? Well, I, probably not. Probably yeah. not. I mean, but it, it did. The reason why I say it, it, it seemed preachy was they were presenting a case. I mean, I think it was fair 
uh, the the tone that that the story adopted um, because it, it presents the case for what I imagine will be the entire rest of this uh, this ongoing series or ongoing uh, uh, you know miniseries. But I really enjoyed the story. I particularly learned. I particularly enjoyed when we meet Hippolyta. Yeah. And, you know, her her journey and her new origin, uh, I that was gut wrenching. Yeah. yeah um, it's very I, curious how all of the others were created directly by the gods. But she mm-hmm. seemed to be a regular woman that's going to become their queen. Right. Yeah. Not a an original Amazon. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, it has Wonder Woman on the cover. Right. And even though Wonder Woman does not pop up in the book. You know, I understand that for sales, you can't just call this, you know, history of the Amazons, because that's essentially right. what this is, right? You know, right. I'm assuming we probably won't even see Wonder Woman until maybe the final page of the next issue or issue three. I don't know how many, you know, issues this is going to be, but, you know, for sales purposes, I understand why they have her on the cover. Um, but it, it just feels like a fantasy epic. Um, mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I I truly, truly enjoyed it. I liked the story. You know, I liked... Um, I, you know, I liked how the you know they're setting up, like you said, Hippolyta, and and, and her journey to become queen of the Amazons. Yeah. Uh, the only the only thing that I'll say, and it's not a negative thing, um, is that if you are on the fence about p- picking this book up, and if we have changed your mind and you have an interest in picking it up, I actually recommend picking it up um, physically. Um, for for, I felt like this book was designed for print. I would agree with that. Um, you know, there, there are very, very, some, you know, some of these glorious pages we're talking about, there's so much intricacy on the page that uh, a guided view will miss it or, and a, and a non-guided view will hide the details because they'll be too small. I did a lot of zooming in, yeah. uh, you know, I, 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 you know, obviously I read it digitally and I went back and forth between guided view and, uh, you know, full page and did a lot of zooming. Uh, it is not what I would consider to be guided view friendly. Um, let's but, see, I read it only guided view. I didn't do any real zooming and had no problem with it. Yeah. I, I, you know, I did guide a view on some of those pages where there's just so much going on that I wanted right. to get a closer look, but I felt like the guided view, um, it, I felt like it missed a lot of the framing artwork yeah. uh, on the two page spreads. Like you've got a number of panels embedded in, in these, you know, splash pages. And I felt like I wasn't getting to see the whole picture because there's a framing continuity uh, on the on the, the design of those pages. And so I would zoom back out and I'd look at the page again, zoom back in. Uh, but I, I agree. I think this is I think this is fundamentally a print book. And that's not but, a knock on it at all. It, no, it no, not at all. You know, but it is me saying that, you know, the, understanding that black label and if you've never picked up a black label physical book, you know, they are oversized prestige right. format editions this definitely lends itself to a printed version um that i think would it, it, you know you read it digitally you, you see you know a pop of color and, and things like that but it just it feels like something you want to hold in your hands yeah i can it's say a, the first it's a gorgeous black, book. the first black label book that i had both the physical and digital it's the only one i did was that batman book a while back okay. uh the penis book yeah that one and <laughs> There is definitely something about it where it was better reading it physically than it was digitally. Yeah, they're almost the like art that international, 
you know, graphic novel format. Right, right. For these black label yeah. books. The, as much as I like reading with guided view, the art on that style of book really stood out more physically than digitally. Mm-hmm. No. So, you know, I, I don't want to disappoint you guys because we all seem to really enjoy this book, but the next one doesn't come out until the spring. <laughs> I yeah, I saw it. that. It's probably what? Like, I'm guessing it's a quarterly or bi-monthly book. Yeah, I'm wondering if it's just if it's just going to hit the five weeks, right? Yeah. Yeah, since it said specifically spring, I'm saying quarterly. Yeah, and I understand why. That, I mean, right? we've we've talked about that format. You know, hey, release you know your your high talent graphic novels on the five weeks, right? So that you have good content there. So absolutely, I'm not to it for for, for content all. like this, it'll be worth the wait. Well, and you know, Phil Jimenez is drawing his guts out here. I mean, yeah. it, this book is is gorgeous, just gorgeous. Yeah, dude's not doing so, a page a day, right? No, that, that, no. If he, if he's lucky, it's a page a week. Yeah, it's it's a great looking book, and uh, I'm I I am so pleasantly surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. I'm glad I. Yeah. I looked at it and I was like, oh man, this is this is what sixty pages. <laughs> Damn it, <laughs> you know, it's well, fifty four pages, and I was I was just I, I was reading it for the show. Yeah, and was so so happy. And how much I enjoyed this book. Yeah, and the art is, I get dense is one way to put it. Uh, it's not one of those books where the backgrounds are just backgrounds so that you can focus on the characters. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of pages where there are hundreds of little things in the background yeah. that Lots are going moving, on. Yeah. and they are all very well detailed. Like Paul was saying, I mean, there's there's no way that this is. Uh, you know, a page a day thing. Yeah, and I think one of the things that, and and we'll move on to the to the Nightwing book here in a minute because I think this is kind of a, a point that I'm trying to make. I think one of the things that I myself and I know many comic fans are, you know, you see it online, are guilty of is reading the word balloons and moving on to the next panel, mm-hmm. right? Like not not embracing the art because the art is, you know, comics are a visual medium, but sometimes. You're just you're just reading the word balloons and going to the next panel, right? You're not you're not embracing the art, and I think in a book like Wonder Woman, you really you really end up you know in, yeah. you know spending time looking at the art. So it, it is you know it's not a book you can finish in five minutes. Now that being said, there's there's room for both, and you know on the flip side, Nightwing is very much your standard comic you know fun Nightwing tale written by Tom Taylor. Um, that for me, uh, you know it. it, it I enjoyed, I wouldn't say as much, but I, I, I greatly enjoyed the Nightwing annual. Uh, and I'm glad I picked this one up too. So, Andrew, you picked this one up also. Yeah. I, I'm not quite sure why. I just was flipping through covers. I saw the Nightwing annual and, and have fond memories of the uh, run back in the like, late 90s. So, picked it up. Uh, I got to say, it's always a hoot to see Dick Grayson in the old school Nightwing costume. Yeah. With the uh, was that a flare collar? I think is that the right term for that? <laughs> yeah, his his nineteen uh, eighties costume. Yeah, and I gotta yeah. tell you, you know, anytime I get to see Donna in the old red jumpsuit. Yeah, I yeah. wish they could have spent a little more time there at the Teen Titans Tower. Uh, yeah. before they they flashed away there. Um, but no, I I you know I enjoyed it. It was a nice kind of standalone story. Uh, kind of. 
at least I haven't read a story that's really focused kind of more on the brotherhood between uh, Dick and, and Jason. Uh, maybe it's out there. I just haven't seen it. But it was kind of nice to see one that kind of looked at their modern day and their their historical relationship together and how uh, is it fair to see Jason as a kind of seen as an outcast amongst the Bat family, at least how, mm-hmm. how he has some close relationships with Dick, at least, um, and how especially initially – you know, Dick treated him like a, a younger brother. I that was one of the things I was really struck by in this book is how kind uh, Dick was to Jason uh, throughout this book. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, the, you, you trust a brother, you know, uh, I, I, I was I was very struck by that in the storytelling. And yeah, well, I had, sorry, I don't he, know. Almost, he almost he, he almost had the kind of um, when he was talking to him in that flashback, he was like, look. I know living with dad is hard. I've gotten away from it. I know you're still living with it. Let me give you some tips on how to deal with dad. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of stories with the two of them in that time period. And I I remember some of the comics I've read during that time period. And they didn't really, these weren't the kind of stories they were telling back then. Right. Yeah, I think this is a bit of no. a con, right? I think, you know, uh-huh. certainly yeah. at the time, it's not like Dick Grayson was referring to Batman as dad. You know that 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 that's certainly a, a Tom Taylor retcon, but it works in the context. Of yeah, this it's a retcon that I think is really needed to flesh out some of these, because Jason was the outcast, and if they want to bring him into the family, they kind of need these kind of stories to, you know, give those interactions. Yeah, and I like I love how he's noticing things like okay, Batman is playing the two of them against each other. Yeah. I mean, it's I, for you know, uh, Andrew. You were you were noting that you've been out of Nightwing for a while. I actually do recommend picking up this Tom Taylor run. They advertise it at the beginning of the book. Yeah, um, it's fantastic. It, it it is all you know, very yep. similarly written to this. Um, you know, you, you and you get the origin of Nightwing's dog that that pops up in this issue, which is nice. Bitewing part. That's Bitewing, by the way. Bitewing, <laughs> Maisie. Nice. Maisie, is that what they ended up with? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the only downside to it is that it got it was an incredible story that got interrupted by having to tie into an event. Yeah. It was still really good issues, but I hate when a book I'm reading and love gets pulled into an event and then suddenly the storyline that you're already hooked on gets put on hold for you to deal with another storyline. Well, I think I remember you appreciated that at least Tom Taylor threw in the the couple panels where Dick is arranging for someone to take care of the dog before he has to run off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I like yeah. that, uh, you know, Nightwing takes a moment to tell Jason that if you're if he's going to embrace his fears, then he should probably dress as a crowbar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I loved that. Yeah, it's I, a nice you know, brotherly moment. I, I yeah. do love the, the brothers dishing on each other. I thought that yeah. was great. Uh, the artwork in the book is is done by uh, two artists. Um, you've got uh, you know uh, CM uh, CM Tormy mm-hmm. and Daniel HDR. And Daniel HDR is an artist I'm real familiar with. In fact, that he has That's done right. two commissions for me. Nice. Yeah, and uh, I really enjoyed the artwork in this book. So way to go, Daniel! And you know, it's, and how, you know, it's how, a different how... artist, but I didn't really. I'm sure if I looked closely, and you know, sorry, mm-hmm. Daniel HDR and uh, CM Tormy. Because uh, you know th- this is not meant as an offense, but I, 
I felt like the styles were close enough that I couldn't really tell a significant difference. When it seems like that's the way it should be done, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that you shouldn't be pulled out of the story because the, the artwork shifted. Unless, of course, that's part of the storytelling. Yeah. Well, I, know, you see, second. I see where the art did change. And I I wonder if it was one of them did the old story. Yes. The flashback yeah. and one did modern. Because yes, there that's... are two very different art styles between the flashback and the modern. See, that's what I was going to say too, Wayne. I was going to say because they don't list who did which pages, but I, I right, definitely yeah. noticed the difference between the, the modern day. And that could just be because they look different. Uh, you know, it's a different era. And so the, the it could be the same artist trying to, you know, replicate a different era and have distinct art. Or it could be they split it that yeah. way. But how, the, how cool was Alfred in this book? I loved Alfred yeah. in this book. Alfred was awesome. I wish they would bring Alfred back just so Tom Taylor can write him. Um, right. I, you know, I, 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 Alfred is certainly a missing component of uh, the Bat books in general. But uh, no one, it, the way Tom Taylor writes him, it's just, you, you, it makes you miss him more. Yeah, so, I, I do miss Alfred. But Paul, if you want to tell the difference between it, look at the faces. In the stories from, you know, in the flashback parts of the story, the faces are all very clean and straight and not lines versus the modern parts of the story. There are lines on there and there's definitely a color variation as well. Yeah, I mean, like it's all single color a, versus I shading. I guess I just thought that was the artist kind of going to the, um, you know, a more youthful style because it was a flashback. Huh? I mean, clearly it, it, it might... was two different artists in retrospect, but, and I knew it was multiple artists, but I, I, I guess my point is it, it's not jarring. It wasn't jarring. In no. This, but I will say, yeah. you know, and I, I know we're still talking about Nightwing, but not in the same way that I felt it was in the next book that we're going to talk about. So tell me, tell us about the next book here. We're, we're, let's talk about Justice League Incarnate number one. I, I've not been reading Infinite Frontier. Uh, I picked this up because it was an issue one. I was I want to have something to talk about, uh, but I have thoughts about it. But but Paul, what did you feel about the multiple artists on Justice League Incarnate Number One? Because there was let's see, let me count them: one, two, three, three different artists. Yeah. So when I see multiple artists on the first issue of a book, I immediately have concerns. Uh huh. Um, that this book wasn't ready to come out and it had multiple artists. And in this case, I don't think it was just a different universe. Um, you know, like, like we were just saying, like there was a purpose to the multiple artists from different, you know, because of different universes or whatever. I don't believe that was necessarily the case in this book because I do, I think there were different artists within the context of the same universe sometimes. Um, like I think, I, I think the artists tend to like Brandon Peterson, um, you know, his art is very distinctive, but I feel like, you know, sometimes uh, I think there was a scene where he did some art and then a different artist came in, in the context of the same universe. Um, so like, if you're reading Brandon Peterson does pages 13 through 17, and then a different artist picks up in page 18. And the only difference is that dark side comes into the scene, but it's set within the same universe. So I, th you know, that, that things like that, concern me because that you know are we already rushing to meet deadlines on the first issue of a book so that, that i don't one think thing i didn't i had it had going against it going in i didn't feel like that was what was going on here i didn't feel like it was a rush to meet deadlines it it felt like uh 
you remember the weekly series 52 yes and you had different artists different writers writing different pieces of the story well, to a certain um, extent, like infinite frontier you know that was right kind of similar. Mm-hmm. yeah and and that's what i think is going on here that they've they've carved that up uh to tell these parts of the stories um, I, I, I thought it worked. I thought it worked fine here. I didn't feel like anything seemed particularly rushed or, or out of place. And, you know, I think that I am always going to remember this as the day that big baby was torn in half. Big baby <laughs> was torn oh. in half. Paul. Now, you know, I lit I, a candle for him. <laughs> now, I'll say, <laughs> I, you know, though I, I, you know, it was initially a concern and going in, I was like, I, I was on the fence about infinite frontier. And I'm I was I was on the fence about this book, right? Because honestly, other than you know, uh, President Superman and Flashpoint Batman, I'm not particularly familiar or fond or Mary Marvel. I'm not particularly or fond of the other characters in the Justice League. In, in you're Marvel. not you're not a big Captain Carrot fan. I'm not, and you would think I would be, right? But not. I don't like <laughs> Captain Carrot in the context of other characters. Captain Carrot in the context of his own universe, and you know, with other anthropomorphic characters, fine. Captain Carrot next to flashpoint batman feels like an odd mix to me um, no so- i agree wow. with you paul i kind of it doesn't really work very well oh i love in it. a group with other characters loved it so i was on the fence going in but i gotta say and maybe I, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear what you guys think and I'll, so i'll shut up here in a second by the end of this book i was in i was so hard in when orion showed up and when grail and calabac showed up in the bleed, um, you know, to assault uh, the, you know, their, I don't remember the, the name of their ship. Um, I, I was hard, hard in on, on, on that storyline. So I, I'm, I'm definitely in for issue two. What about you guys? I mean, I thought, again, I've not been reading Infinite Frontier, so this is all new to me. But, I mean, I think that the the design for Dr. Multiverse, who's a completely new character to me, is just amazing. I think yeah, it, I like it, she looks great. I like uh, she's, yeah, is she new for this book, or has she been in the Infinite Frontier? I think she's new for this yeah, book. I, I, I don't recall her. In I don't remember her. I've never seen her before. Yeah, I think she yeah. was. So, so she seems like a great character uh, at the House of Heroes meeting, you know, Captain Carrot and Aquawoman and uh, the new Flash. Uh, I, I've enjoyed kind of learning about these new. And, and just to clarify, is Dino Cop just uh, Savage Dragon? But Yeah, he's, but he's yeah. Poor, man, poor man Savage Dragon. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Feels like that's a lawsuit waiting to happen. Exactly. Well, I mean, if they sue him, then Savage Dragon's a poor man, Incredible Hulk with a fin. I mean, there's a little bit more difference in that, but okay. No, that's, uh, so, Aaron, that or uh, Andrew, that's actually a joke that Incredible Hulk made in one of the Peter David run. Is <laughs> Hulk is trying to uh, disguise himself, and he walks out wearing a fin, and uh, he's like, "No, this is ridiculous. Anyone will take one look at this and say it's the Incredible Hulk with a fin on his head." <laughs> Well, I uh, I really liked meeting the retaliators, although they were not long for this book. Um, so yeah, no, I'm into it. I like I like the. It's just kind of a wild, goofy book in some respects. Yeah. Some respects it's very serious. Some respects it's very goofy. And uh, so far, that blend's kind of working for me. So uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing the second one. And much like Paul said, or maybe he didn't say, uh, the different artists, you know, was noticeable. But I didn't. It wasn't making me like the book less it was like oh yeah that's a different artist on this page but i didn't it wasn't so different that i was like ah this is awful uh what did you think aaron you know i i agree with everything you said uh 
I the my only complaint about this book, and it's the same one that I had with Infinite Frontier, is that I don't like this version of Dark Side. Agreed. Um, I, I don't like. I don't like how he smiles. I don't like how he's, you know, very comfortable just getting physical with other characters. Um, I like it better when, you know, dark side is very removed from the action that he sends his minions in to do the work. And when people get close to him, they get the eyes apps, right? I mean, he doesn't ever, except when Superman's around, he doesn't have to throw a punch. Um, I, that's what bothers me. I mean, I don't think you should ever see, dark side in a slug fest with just some rando bad guy, you know, he, when he gets physical, it should be with Superman. Uh, so you know, well, I mean, I, I'm all down for, you know, earth 23 Superman to go whale on dark side, but I don't want to see it in every book. And that's what we've seen. It, sh- it seems like that shouldn't be something that's common in the story. I mean, dark side did try to do the eyes absence Tartarus first, but mm-hmm. the, it, it, they didn't work because he's wearing armor forged out of all eight of the power rings. Uh-huh. That's crazy. Yeah. What he needed was a helmet, right? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah. or some sort of spinal, like yeah. neck support yeah. system. There. But I, I agree uh, with but, you, Aaron. I, I, and, you know, dark side's my favorite villain. I struggle with this iteration of dark side. And I understand yeah. this is, this is the great darkness dark side. This is the the ultimate dark side with the power of, of all the multiversal dark sides in one. There is no other dark side in the multiverse. It is only this one. Dark side yeah. is, right? Um I I don't like the design. And maybe it's you know, maybe it's an yeah. artist interpretation because yeah. I didn't like the art yeah. on dark side in the in Infinite Frontier either. I find it boring. Um, yeah. it's like dark side in a black jumpsuit. You know, I, 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 I would, if this is your ultimate dark side, then I want it to feel like the ultimate exactly. dark side. Exactly. I mean, you, there, he should have such a presence on the page that you're just terrified by his visage, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, and I don't get that. He just looks like another bad guy. And because he's throwing down with another bad guy, it, he just seems too common. I want to see the grand, terrible dark side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, he feels kind of like a 70s dark side. Not yeah, he, he like does. comedic, but the way he behaves. I think that's well, what they're I, referring to, right? Because they refer to right. the great darkness. Yeah, the, the Legion of Superheroes story yeah. from way back when by Keith Giffen and I forget the other guy. Yeah, I don't Was know. it Jim Shooter? Did Jim Shooter work on I that? I think it was Jim Shooter, yep. I think okay. it was Shooter. But that uh, was such a great story, too. It is a great story. And I just I Paul everybody Levitz, else feels sorry. feels very comfortable. Who was it? Paul Levitz. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, I uh, I feel like we redesign everything uh, from our histories. And I think that you could have um, had some nods to the designs from the Great Darkness story. But I think you got to modernize it. You know, because you, me, Wayne, we're all familiar with uh, with the great darkness. But what about the what about, you know, the the person who's never read those old Legion stories? Yeah, I mean, it was damn near 40 years ago at this point. Exactly. And so, I mean, I feel like you do have you, you, you honor what came before, but you do have to, you know, upgrade it a little bit. And I, I just don't think the 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 character design here is working. So you, you mean so if Marvel brings Thanos back, he shouldn't be riding around in a helicopter? 
it should be, but it should be a modern helicopter. <laughs> Goodness. Hey, uh, but before we before we leave books this week, I you know continue to be the only one reading the tie-ins on the Darkhold books, mm-hmm. and I read Black Bolt this week. And all I will say is that it continues these, you know, uh, awful, horrific stories. And this one is such a slow burn and it saves the horror all the way up to the last page where, you know, you, you feel there's a sense of dread and awfulness in the book. And you get to the last the last panel of the last page and you're like, oh, my God, I, I, it's really worth the read. And so when it goes on sale, guys pick up uh dark hold black bolt it is a really strong story yeah i'm looking forward to you know i I, i'm way behind on those dark hold books i will probably pick them up in in some sale because to my knowledge they're not really building to anything i don't think so because all these all these uh uh tie-ins have been standalone stories yeah yeah if they've all been I say if they've all been good, Aaron, I might just wait until they release them all in a trade yeah Yeah. that's what i would do that's what i would do ten dollars yeah <laughs> well you know um one final book that i wanted to mention this week that i thankfully i convinced uh, someone to read with me king of spies by mark miller and mateo scalera um came out this week and so i you know i, I think we've for anyone who's listened to this podcast long enough you know i've got mark miller issues um you know i like he, he he's just sometimes you get mean-spirited mark miller and sometimes you get like writing a Mark Miller who who is in more interested in heart, um, like in uh, some what is the like the the one about uh, that was kind of like a Flash Gordon type story or oh yeah yeah you just yeah. kind of get different Mark Millers depending on on you know which book you're reading and so I wasn't sure which one I was going to get and I kind hmm. of got a bit of both in this book. Um, so King of Spies tells the story kind of very similar to Human Target, uh, but uh, but also you know similar in in, con- in in premise, but also very different in execution. Which is that this is a super spy. Think of this as uh, Sean Connery, right? Sean Connery it has been James Bond, the world's greatest spy. You know, for for years he is in his later years, and he finds out he has six months to live. Now, you know, in, in the context of Sean Connery, James Bond, if you think about him, he was a, you know, yeah, she was, you know, a, 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 a ladies' man and, and all that stuff, but he was also, you know, not really good, right? You know, yeah. he, he was he was mean to women, you know, he was, he really did a lot of horrible things um, when, you know, when, when looked in retrospect. And that's what we get in King of Spies. You know, to your point about looking at the past through the modern lens, we, we get a character who's like, man, I wasn't loyal to my wife for a day of our marriage. And I did a lot of horrible things in the name of, of queen and country. I have six months to live. Fuck it. I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to make up for it by just taking out every asshole I play, I, that, that I, that I want to. Um, and it, it just, it, it, it's such a different tone and it's such a great book. I left this book and I was, I, I felt, I left this book energized especially those last few pages, um, which I won't ruin here, but Aaron, this, this book is a hundred percent an Aaron book. I, I, I have just bought it and I'm downloading it right now. There you go. So there you Andrew, go. Yeah. I, you read it with me. Yeah. I gotta say I enjoyed it quite a bit, but before I get into, to the book itself, did you notice on the, uh, 
the credits page there at the front that at the bottom says created by Mark Miller at Netflix. Yeah. Well, does I this, think, um, does this I, mean for sure this is going to become a Netflix series? I think in as much as anything else, you know, I think Mark, so Mark Miller World is owned by Netflix now. Right. Oh, okay. And so I didn't realize they owed does, it lock, stock, and barrel. Yeah, everything he does okay. is basically a, a Netflix um, pitch. And well, and I'm sure he's got some movie. kind of, I'm sure he's got some sort of minimum production deal, right? Like mm-hmm. he's got to produce X amount of new things. Uh, so that they have the opportunity to you know, develop them or not. Yeah, and they do or don't, right? So they, like, they picked right. up Jupiter's Legacy and canceled it after the first season. But I think Magic Order is in production now or going into production or something. I think mm-hmm. Magic Order is right in uh, the Netflix uh, niche. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. I think Magic Order is going to be great for them. So, you know, the art, Matteo uh, Scalera, for the most part, I love the art in this book. However, I mean, there's a couple spots, especially at the beginning when he's it's the flashback to Panama, where I can't quite tell what's happening with all the action going on. Uh, I don't know if you found that, Paul, but there's a couple spots where I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> like when he light, lights the uh, canister of gas on fire. Um, I, I was, you know, last and you're not wrong. I, you know, last week I had referred to Matteo Scalera as the artist on um, Time crooks or whatever time criminals whatever the the mark miller book is and i was wrong um he is the artist or has been the artist on black science with um i think john uh, i think rick remender maybe writes that book yes i think you're correct yeah so you know he, he, he he's he's done a bunch of image work um very very stylized but yeah to your point i mean sometimes the stylization goes a little overboard but i didn't mind it honestly i like in fact i, I like the art in the context of the story it, it does, no, and for the second half of the story, I think it, it quiets down a bit. You know, that's what I was going to say. Once you flip to the you know, what we, we're calling modern day, uh, it is great. Like that picture of him standing in front of the mirror, you know, uh, after he, when he's first gotten up, he, you know, he just he very much looks like he has the age and kind of the weight of years is weighing on him, but he still has that kind of powerful regal presence that some some people keep as they get older. Uh, it, it's great art. Uh, the story. Uh, I feel like this is very much kind of setting the stage, setting up the plot. And I'm much like you. I'm very excited. The, the longer I read this book, the more excited I got about it until that kind of climax there towards the very end. And I was like, I cannot wait to see what happens in the yeah. next uh, in the next. Episode. <laughs> the last like five pages just gets you so freaking psyched for where yeah. the story is going. Um, like if I were, you know, it's a, if, if this were to be a Netflix show and Netflix was like, hmm, who would I cast? I would cast Timothy Dalton as the lead yeah. in this book um he it, it, just the way the it, this is i i cannot recommend this book enough for aaron um but if you are a fan <laughs> of, of spies if you're a fan of uh you know james bond in general uh this is very much right up your alley and at least this first issue i hope i hope they keep you know the story uh for the remaining uh, issues i think this is a limited series but i'm i'm in i'm hard in yeah I'm in, and the pacing was great. You know, it starts with action, then you have kind of the the character building, and plot setting, table setting, and then it ends on such a high note that you're just you're you're stoked to see the to read the next episode or issue. So I, I'm I'm definitely in for the because it's not only like uh, did they say how many issues is going to be? They didn't. Did I don't they? think it does in this issue, but it's probably you know somewhere between four and six. I'm sure. I was yeah, I was thinking five six. Uh, I think it's going to be great. Um, and as long as they actually are true to the plot line where, you know, he's alive for six months, I don't want to see them 
trying to squirm out from that with some yeah. sort of <laughs> magic treatment, right? I want to see him dead in six months, or I'm going to feel a little wanting cheated. dead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds great. I'm looking forward to reading it. Hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, we've got a pretty big week next week. Uh, from DC Comics, we have the start of World of Krypton. Uh, you know, the new retelling uh, limited series from Robert Venditti and Michael Evanoming. Uh, you know, of, of the, I guess the, the lead up to the destruction of Krypton. Um, you know, I don't know if this is a remake of the previous World of Krypton story or just, you know, kind of a, a, a new story set within the World of Krypton. And, you know, like we said, looked at in a modern lens, but I'm interested in it. I, I like Robert Venditti. I'm a little iffy about Michael Evanoming, but uh, I'll, I'll check out the first issue. Um, also from DC Comics, we have Tom Taylor on the Superman Son of Kal-El annual. Uh, I'm looking forward week. to that. I, I really enjoy Tom Taylor, Jingleheimer Schmidt. <laughs> also from DC Comics, uh, I didn't pick up issue one of Robins because I forgot it came out. But if you didn't know, there is a book out called Robins written by Tim, Tim Seeley that features all the former Robins, Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, Tim Drake, Stephanie Brown, and Damian Wayne uh, teamed up as their own, like, robin super team and so i will pick up issue one and if i like it then issue two comes out next week um also from dc comics we have dark knights of steel issue two also from tom taylor Ooh. continuing that saga i liked the first issue mm -hmm. and joshua williamson takes over and jorge molina um who, who's a fantastic artist take over as the new creative team of batman uh you know james tenyon the fourth has left dc for um whatever that online blog thing is Substack. Um, mm -hmm. so you know joshua williamson has taken over uh joshua williamson who just wrote justice league incarnate this week has taken over as the new ongoing uh writer of uh, batman hmm. so i'm gonna check out the art and uh you know the first couple preview pages there yeah i you know i have been out on batman for a while i'm like josh williamson enough to maybe give that a shot i'm gonna have to see the see the write-up and the preview pages yeah, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a maybe on that one yeah i'm a maybe um from idw or boom studios i should say and this i don't know if this is up wayne's alley or not but buffy the last vampire slayer uh kind of takes the content you know that takes the uh, concept of you know the far future last of of their kind uh storyline and, and puts it in the buffy universe i don't know if that's a wayne thing i'll probably pass on it but thought i'd mention it and, yeah, uh, I don't really follow the Buffy comics. Yeah, me either. All right, so no, we're not going to talk about that next week. But what we may talk about is, uh, from Marvel, we have Death of Doctor Strange Blade, uh, the Ooh. Blade tie-in. So I'm, it depends I don't on know. I, looks. Yeah, I got to tell you, I, I feel like uh, the, all the Blade properties have been poor lately. So yeah. uh, I am hopeful that they'll, they'll have some decent artwork. Because I really wanted to read that Blade Darkhold book, but boy. Yeah. Boy. <laughs> So it's really going to depend on the art there. Uh, but what yeah. I will pick up from Chip Zdarsky and Marco Cicchetto, um is Devil's Reign, issue one of six. Uh, so this is... Now, I have not been reading the Daredevil arc, though much of it is available for um, free or included in the cost of your Comixology Unlimited subscription. But this is the story that Chip Zdarsky has been building to. Um, Wilson mm. Fisk is the mayor of New York City, and Daredevil has to take him down. Um so you know it's a it's a big event, uh, and I'm I'm kind of curious about it. So I, I I will probably pick up the first issue of that next week. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, who, who's doing the art for it? 
Marco Cicchetto, um, he has done Daredevil, Punisher in the Path, and pa- Punisher in the Path. You would recognize his art if you saw it. Okay. I'll have to take a look at the art. I'll take a look at preview pages, see how I feel. I haven't read a Daredevil book in a real long time. Yeah. I feel like if you asked Marco Cicchetto, who was doing the artwork on the book, he'd say, It's a me! It's a Marco! <laughs> hey, we're not, we're not talking about Jared Leto and House of Gucci. Come on. Uh, but well, I, we I, want to know what. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Paul. Well, I was going to say, like I said, uh, the first arc of the Chip Zdarsky run from Daredevil is available for free or, again, included in your Comicsology Unlimited subscription. Uh, so I might, least let me put that on that there. Up and, uh, and give it a read to see if, because if it's shit, then I won't be picking up Devil's <laughs> Frey number one. <laughs> it's the same creative team, Chip Zdarsky and Marco Chiquetto. That's great. Well, hey, we want to know what you thought about this week's books and uh, what books you're looking forward to next week. Give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. If we use your voicemail on the air, you could win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up on social media, IOMGeek on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And remember, that phone number receives texts now, which blows my mind. Yeah, so, you know. Uh, you know, do that. So uh, <laughs> we will do this all over again, guys, next week. Woo! Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Mm-hmm.